on the BetQL Network. Sean Levine in tonight, Nick Ashew. 97 days away from the NFL season starting, as we talked about. Got college football schedules out. Stanley Cup final tomorrow. NBA finals, game two on Sunday. Baseball, college World Series. You know, the summer's not so bad, Sean. You can, you can dwindle things down a little bit. People can take a little bit of a breather. Yet we still got plenty of things until, well, July when there's just absolutely nothing. College World Series, by the way, if you haven't done it, you got to go. Very underrated event. And I get it. You're out there on Have the you East been? Coast. So you get, well, dude, I'm in Kansas City. It's like a three and a half hour drive. It's true. you have to. Yeah. If you're if you're a teenager, yeah. like once you get your license, you go for like a few years. So I did it between like the ages of 16 and 19. Great time. Great time. It looks fun. I mean, I, everybody I know that's ever gone so just has an, an amazing experience. So what's the one event that you haven't gone to sporting wise that you would love to go to? The Derby. That's an easy one. Yeah. I've always wanted to go I to was Kentucky ch- Derby. Yeah. Derby, same thing for me. And it's funny. So I have friends that are actually moving to Kentucky, not far from they're like they're they're going to be in a, a decent amount. I don't remember exactly the amount of time they said they were going to be going like away, whatever town they're living or whatever. But that's kind of that's on the bucket list. I'm like, you know, maybe taking the show on the road, I think, for the Kentucky Derby next year. I got to get one of those hats and the mint juleps and you can bet on it. Yeah, the dirt. It just looks like such a good time. And I like watching it on TV, but I'm always a little bit jealous yeah. that I'm not in the crowd. And I don't care how deep in the crowd I am. Let's do it next year. It's not that far of a drive for me. I'm in the middle. I'm in. I think I get there in like 10 minutes. But I need you wearing a giant hat. You have to promise me Guaranteed. to wear a giant hat. and then I'll Are you it. seeing right, this cool. balding cul-de-sac thing on the top of my head, dude? <laughs> I would do anything I can to cover this thing up. Give me a hat of any – give me a give me a, a beret. Give me a yarmulke. Give me a cowboy hat. Give me something to cover this thing. Yeah, Dylan Dylan says a, uh, a top hat. I could definitely see you in a top Sombrero, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I could – you seem like a top hat guy, though, because I feel like there'd be a classy side. You'd have a mint julep and – Oh, yes, I'm so happy to be here to the Kentucky Derby. This is lovely. Do you enjoy my top hat that's on? You, that would be – you would, like, totally change character. Completely change. I feel like I'm too cheap to buy the mint julep. Would, would, it, be a, would it be wrong of me to sneak one in? I'm kind of that guy still. That Like, if it can fit in my – like, in between my belt and my gut, I'm willing to sneak it in. Have you seen the prices for those things? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that's that's you know that's what makes the Masters great because the prices are the complete opposite when you go there. You know, I had a friend. You talk about the guy sneaking stuff in. I had a friend. This was back when I was like my twenties and actually went out five nights a week and just destroyed myself. Uh, I had a friend who would literally just go into bars with airplane bottles and he would order like club soda and he would just start start pouring it in, just pouring in uh, airplane bottles and stuff. I'm like, you know. I got to respect the hustle. He's got his own business now, and it's really successful. So, guy knew what he was doing. <laughs> I mean, we took being a degenerate to the next level. I actually, at one point, early in my college years, had my mom sew a pocket to the inside of my favorite pair of jeans to do that, to sneak the like to sneak the beer in the bar. I'm not proud to admit this on national radio, but I did it, and it was natty light every single time. We can just move on if you want to, but my mom was cool like that. She goes, what's it for? And I said to carry some extra change. She goes, and you want it that big? I said, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm a college kid. I'm going to be carrying around a lot of change. Or I'm going to Coinstar later, Mom. Come on. I got to yeah, you know, huh? be able to have, pay for my food. <laughs> Maybe it was a Mickey's. Who knows? But I had the pocket. Oh, Still have those jeans. That, is, that, might, that might be one of my – oh, you know what? Go through your boxes and just since you just moved and rip everything up, and let's see if you can find those jeans. We need to find them by the end of the show. I'll look. 
All right, it's a fake news Friday. Burlow pops on for the last time, by the way. Moving on to 2400. I mean, look at you just leaving us like a big jerk. You got your home studio set up there now. I'm happy for you, but also we can't have fake news Friday without you. So I guess this is now we'll make whoever else is in next on Fridays do fake news Friday. I'll be honest. Yeah, we'll keep it. I was about to say, I know I'm a pillar of consistency on Fridays, but I think really we can are. continue with at least the fake news Friday. Yes. Yes, I think we will. We'll continue with it. What do you got for us? Unfortunately, I don't have any utility genes like Sean does, but I do have a couple fake yeah. news Fridays for you guys. Uh, let's start with Eric Spolstra because he's coaching in his sixth NBA Finals and his second with this current iteration of the Miami Heat. True story or fake news? A third NBA championship will put him on a level with Greg Popovich as the best coaches of the 21st century. So I will say true story, but that's not how I feel. I think that's how the public will feel because most people don't look at Eric Spolstra and put him in that conversation still. Eric Spolstra is one of the all-time great coaches, but we fall into this trap, especially in the NBA, where we're counting championships when it benefits your argument. Jordan, LeBron, count the championships. Jordan, Bill Russell, you ain't counting those championships, are you? It all stops from there. So with Eric Spolstra winning another title, especially with this Heat team this year and what he's able to do, that will put it in a brighter spotlight. Like, Nikola Jokic has been one of the best players in the NBA the last couple of seasons. Two-time MVP, should have won it again this year. But now the spotlight's on him in the NBA Finals, three wins away from a title, showing us this guy is the best player in the NBA, and everybody can see it now. Eric Spolstra always, oh, he's, come on, he's got LeBron, he's coaching Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, and, well, now... You don't have that same argument. And I love Jimmy Butler, but he ain't LeBron James. So if you're able to actually come back and win this title, it absolutely solidifies him for the casual fan. In the public, to me, he's already up there as one of the greatest coaches we have right now and of all time in the NBA. No question about it. And if you look at a lot of like the guys that actually have the best winning percentage, they had the best players. I'm talking about the Phil Jacksons of the world, the Steve Kerrs of the world. And I get it. For a couple of years, he didn't have that, as you point out, when he had LeBron and Ben Bosch and D. Wade. But when you talk about this particular team, man, you have to look at Eric Spolster completely different than you did even at the beginning of this playoff run if he somehow, somehow cashes in and wins a championship. I mean, they've been underdogs the entire way. The back door had to be open in the playoffs. They were in the play-in game just for them to get here, and now here they are. So I understand why they're plus 300 in game two against the Nuggets. The Nuggets look like they were just styles make fights, and it looked like the Nuggets were a much bigger, badder fighter at this point. Maybe they just have more gas left in the tank, right? They were supposed to be here. There's a bunch of reasons why, but, dude, if somehow Spolstra pulls this off with this team and he gets to add another trophy to that mantle – then absolutely. I don't think that we can name a whole lot of coaches that have been around the last 10 or 15 years, Nick. If you say, if we agree that Popovich is number one, and I guess you can take, you know, Phil Jackson, you know, the back end of his career, whatever. But man, I think you start to talk about Eric Spolster pretty quick. Yeah, I think that's, it's completely fair. And sometimes we need to have brighter spotlights on somebody for the rest of people to see it. But he should already be in the conversation, Burlow. I agree with you guys wholeheartedly. Honestly, when you look at Eric Spolstra and what he's been able to do with this team, and also considering Tyler Hero hasn't been there. He might be there 
on yeah. Saturday or Sunday, excuse me. Victor Oladipo hasn't been there either, so it, it makes it even more impressive that he's been able to do this. But you guys mentioned the Nuggets. Let's talk about that side of the finals. Jamal Murray has averaged 27.6 points during this postseason run for the Denver Nuggets. True story or fake news, Murray is a top three point guard in the NBA. See, I, here's why I say fake news. Because he's not really a point guard. Like, he plays the position, but the guy's a two guard. They just don't have a ball handler. And that's what I hate. Like, I really – I wanted the Nuggets to go after Chris Paul before Phoenix even got him. I was like, that. this is a team that needs somebody. Or even uh, Fred Van Vliet, if they could do that in the offseason and move him off the ball a little bit more. You can have it be interchangeable and get, like, the great players in the NBA now, right? We're playing almost positionless basketball where LeBron brings the ball up. Durant's doing it. I mean, Jokic is playing point center at this point. <laughs> But, you know, I, I don't – I just don't even put him in that category. If you want to say, okay, in the lineup, he's listed as a point guard. I, I'll play that game, but I, I don't I, – I wouldn't put him over Steph because we haven't seen this long enough yet. I, I wouldn't put him over Jalen Brunson, who's been fantastic this year with the, net, the Knicks. I mean, he's just climbed. De'Aaron Fox went to the next level, and Kyrie, even though it doesn't make players – or make teams better, he still plays the position. So if I'm going to go by those rules – I'm not going to put him there, but I don't even consider him a point guard. One last quick thought on that Spolstra-Popovich thing. Spolstra's 52. Popovich is 74. So yeah. when it comes to seasons, if he can do it for another 22 Spolstra, he's going to win a bunch more rings. Anyway, moving on to the point guard thing. You nailed it, Nick. Like, what's a point guard in 2023? Steph Curry? If we're calling Steph Curry a point guard, then not only is he the best in the game right now, I would argue he's the best point guard of all time. I think he's better than Magic. If we're both if we're both calling them point guards, are we calling Luca mm -hmm. a point guard? Is Trey Young? Is John right. Morant? Like, what's actually a point guard? So I think that Jamal Murray is just a – and I'm not trying to cheese out or cop out or anything, but he's just a perfect fit for the team that he plays for. And I think yeah. that even if he would have been healthy the last couple of years, remember how good he was in the bubble? If you had a healthy Jamal Murray and if you had a healthy Nikola Jokic throughout the playoffs the last few years – they'd probably already be in the situation that they're in. We can talk about the other pieces that they have, right? The Michael Porters, the Browns, all these other guys. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it obviously comes down to their two best players. And it's not always about top-end talent. It's about chemistry. It's about how well you fit. And I think we're finally seeing that the Jokic-Murray combination fits just as well as any better, yeah. probably better than any other duo in the NBA. And it's also, too, right, when you talk about the fit, it's because Jokic can kind of play point guard as a seven-footer at, at this sure. point. So it's just it's a little bit different. And that's really where the positionless basketball comes in, where you've got centers now that can run the floor like a freaking gazelle. I mean, we've seen Giannis do that plenty. Jason Kidd was using him as a point guard years ago, too. But you see players, it's not just like, okay, get the ball to your point guard. He's going to bring the ball up and set up the offense. It just doesn't work that way that much in the NBA anymore. If you have Chris Paul, Chris Paul may be the last remaining true traditional point guard in the NBA. Now, if I'm building a team and you could just tell me, take any player in their prime and you're building this roster and it's all-time great team, I'm taking Magic Johnson at point guard because I want a facilitator and I want everybody else. But you know what I would do? I'd maybe take Steph and put him at the two so I get that shooting. So, like, it's it just... It's just it, it's hard to explain the point guard position in today's NBA because the position doesn't look the same other than the name that's actually labeled there in the lineup. It's not hard, though. It's just better. They're better. Nothing against Jason yeah. Kidd, but Jason Kidd averaged, what, 10 points a game throughout his career? Nothing against John Stockton, right? All-time assist leader, all-time steals leader. 
great player, underrated player. How many points per game did he average? Like, look, just because you have a guy in Steph Curry that can also go out there and drop 30, 40, 50 points any given night, who happens to also be the best three-point shooter on the history of planet Earth, doesn't mean that he also doesn't have the ball handling skills or can't pass. Same thing with James right. Harden. Yeah, he's won the scoring title three times. He's also led a league in assists a couple of times, and he averages double-digit assists for his last seven years in his career. So I feel like the position of point guard, you can call it what you want. It's just gotten better. The players have just gotten better. They've been able to do more things. I know we're going to talk about later on in the show the uniqueness that players have kind of turned into. You already talked about Steph Curry and Nikola Jokic. It just – the NBA has become completely positionless. There's no big guys either. You are – yeah, but wouldn't you argue, I mean, right. But now you also got centers winning MVP, and it's been a long time since we've had that. But yet, uh, um, Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic don't look like the centers that we had in the 90s. It's it's not necessarily even the players are better. I think they're also asked to do things differently. It's the same argument where people say, well, Jordan couldn't shoot threes. Well, if he came up in today's NBA, would he have worked on it and become a good three-point shooter? I mean, we don't know. Giannis has worked for years, and he can't shoot threes. He's gotten a little better. He's not very good at it. So the question becomes like, okay, Jason Kidd was actually a decent three-point shooter at the end of his career. Go look at where he is in the all-time three-point list. He's right near the top. So it's just kind of more of back then point guards were expected to be traditional pocket-passing quarterbacks. Now point guards are Lamar Jackson. They're Patrick Mahomes. They're Josh Allen. They're mobile. They're able to do more than one thing. They can go score. They can shoot. They can also distribute and get other guys involved. The good ones can. Uh, the same thing with quarterbacks today where they can run, they can throw. They're just super athletic. So it's an evolution of a position that is still vitally important, but like it just doesn't it doesn't look the same, and players are expected to do different things with it. Jason Kidd averaged 12.6 points per game in his career. Yeah. That's that, yes, yeah, so that's career. I was going to say that's career, Dude, right? Yeah. James, James Harden, when he won the scoring title, averaged almost three times the amount of points. And I get it. It's a completely different game. But, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. Like, guys are certainly asked to do a whole lot more. Whether you're a big guy, you got to step out and shoot threes, knock down your free throws. Yeah. Whether you're a guard, you got to be able to hit that shot like Steph Curry does from outside the three-point line. So a point guard today and a point guard 15, 20 years ago is a completely different human being. Yeah, but James Harden, too, when he had the scoring title, I mean, he was looked to still really score first. Like, I mean, he had some assists, but he wasn't even really playing the point then. He kind of switched more to point guard when he went to Brooklyn. He averaged 36 a game in Houston that year. They were just like, go score. So he was like, he wasn't even a, a point guard, Whoa. but had the ability to pass. I know, it's crazy. Three All times, right, Jason Kidd. It's a completely different game. It's, it is. It's wild to think about. What should we expect from the Nuggets in Game 2 on Sunday? Vinny Benetetto is going to join us. Uh, tell us live from Denver next.